I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to Unashamed. We um, still trying to find Zach. It's like a, he's conferring. <laughs> he's conferring. They said it was a conference. That means he's conferring, which we know that's going to be good. Uh, I want to open with good news. So I, have, I guess I guess this would be breaking news. So we'll. So uh, it's interesting because the episode must have just dropped uh, yesterday when I was talking about my MRI, which I was just making the point of how brutal that was for me because I'm claustrophobic. I didn't really go into much into what was going on, but I've received so many emails from people and concerns. I just got the all clear on the way out today. So thanks for the prayers. All's good with Al. I got a, a clean bill of health. How do they do that? Do they send you like a thumbs up on your phone? Or? So they call you. Oh, they uh, call you. And then, and then you have to wait for the person, which is never, you know, you're waiting on news. And so it could be bad news, could be good news. And so you're that, that two minutes, you know, you're saying, all right, here we go. And you're like, okay, the longer you wait, the more you think, uh-oh. But anyway, she comes on, says, uh, all good. So no no worries there, but thank y'all for your prayers and stuff. I appreciate that. And uh, I've got more home remedies about prostate. How to, you know? Well, what was the, the the remedies according to the? Oh man, people who put you under the. I just ate breakfast. They just said you've got a large prostate. You're good to go. You got. Before we get into the details of that, I just ate a big breakfast. <laughs> so I just, I'd rather go in a different direction. <laughs> Well, Dad, is, I have well, you to I'm thank crowding, for that because you've had I'm some crowding eighty right now. But, but uh, <laughs> nobody likes to talk about the it, prostate. It it's even, worse than the liver. My, the fat, last thing I've been concerned with my prostate. Yeah. Well, I, you've I, had some issues. Yeah, I'll say well, it's about which is, gone, is what's well, funny, Jace, is I met now our doctor through Dad because I went with Dad just to make sure he knew what was going on and got all the information properly, and then. I wind up having problems, and now I go to him more than you go to him. So that's what happens when you do it. You're, you'll be there, maybe. I don't. I hope you don't get it. So I hope you, your prostate is all good. Or preparing the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's funny? It, it's in some ways this is like karma for me because I remember making fun. I would go to an elders meeting, and you know they're waiting to get started, and so I was young. You know I was young minister on staff. And so I would always make fun of them because the first 10 minutes of an elders meeting was them talking about their PSAs and their prostates. And I just went and got checked and which, what's your this, that, and the other. So I was like, man, I tell you what, these old men, well, now it's me. Now I'm that guy. So that's what happens. What happens? That's what happens when you laugh at others calamity. Then that's what happens. The resurrection is looming large. Looming large. That's that's. So anyway, I just wanted to report I that. Get, I can't go around it. <laughs> Feels like I'm camped out there. <laughs> I'll tell you what I am. So one more thing, and, and I've I got a mailbag here. i got a few uh, of your notes you've been sending because we opened up the mailbag for everybody uh, to send us your thoughts. And so we have some pretty good ones. Um, also, we released this week the cooking episodes. You know, We're not doing overtimes anymore. Instead, we're trying to do something that's fun and we think you guys will like. If you go to blazetv.com slash Robertson, that's where you go to sign up for Blaze, and you get these cooking episodes. So first one we did was Dad doing a duck gumbo. Well, Dad and Burley. We brought Burley in. Burley him. was a guest appearance? He was a guest appearance. Because we've talked about him many times. Well, Burley has been Dad's, like, 
sidekick on the the duck gumbo for years now, so he's he has learned some to, multiple tasks. Yeah, uh, including wearing a pistol at all times. <laughs> and I think he just did that on his own, but yeah. So yeah, he uh, he put together. He helped Dad put together gumbo. We had fun. We had a little meal together. Um, we got another one coming up uh, with Lisa and I doing Lisa's cornbread. And uh, I guess Jason and Missy will be entering the fray at some point, doing one of their dishes. Right. I'd like somebody to do sh- some Opelousas catfish at some time this spring. So, yeah, I may, and I may even volunteer just to be there, and make sure it goes well, so I can eat some of them. I have a spot with a, a net now on it. The local redneck has borrowed my net, but uh, but I have a spot to where I can guarantee you we, we'll have them to eat. Oh, good. All right, well, I like that. I'm I'm all in for that. I'll be I'll be the producer of that. That set by 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 is a rope going down to the bottom of the river. So you've got the rope already there. Yeah, the rope's already there. Yeah, and we tie it off, but it, even it comes loose. But we pull that one rope up. Well, what most people don't know is it's tied to a block of concrete about half as big as this table right here. Well, that's on the other end of it. You ain't moving it. You can't pull it just, oh, well, there's a rope. I wonder what's on the end of it. Well, it's hooked to a, a block of concrete. I remember tied it t- together, and that's been there for 35 years. <laughs> when I get ready to eat Opelousa's catfish, I go out there. Because that spot I always produces. I begin around, and I find my rope. The redneck can't steal it. You can't run off with a big block of concrete. I'm so, sure they've tried. I'm sure they probably somebody's tried through the years. Oh yeah, but 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 I told Red he could use that spot from time to time. Yeah, I said, but get my permission first. Yeah, I said you could you go out there and drag around, but drags in my boat. Don't me carry my my drag around. <laughs> it's made to pull up ropes. <laughs> Yeah. Isn't that interesting, Jace, how some things have never changed with Dad? He's still concerned about that drag after all these years. Yeah, it's like it looks like a uh it's just a big tube of metal with four it's a, it looks it. like you know they happened, when they throw what, one over the grappling. I'll give hook you a better story than yeah. that. What happened one year, probably oh, it's been fifteen or twenty years ago. Somebody I it was me. I, I got my drag, which is made out of solid steel like that. It's, it's got like looks that. like a grappling hook on yeah. the bottom. So I told somebody about it, and they said, "Well, this old guy, he's got a skin a scuba diving outfit he can put on." I said, "Send him down there to him. I need him." <laughs> so after ten years of losing that where that rope went. Couldn't, couldn't locate it. I said, okay, i get the right man. So I got a guy. He put the, the, the apparatus on. He's breathing through it. I said, he said, how deep's the water? I said, 10 or 12 foot deep. It's current, current there. I'll wait till the current dies out, and I'll show you right where the rope is. He said, how would you know for sure where the rope is in a river the size of what we're going? I said, I'll show you. <laughs> So we go out there, and we I, I, I ease up and ease up, and I stop, and I say, right here, down there on the bottom of this river, about 12 feet deep, you'll see a rope and another one tangled up in it. I said, my drag is hooked onto that rope that broke. I broke my rope. I said, so, 
and this is where it's at. He said, you sure it's there? I said, it's there. So I waited till the river lost a lot of its current. Yeah. Took him out there, moved around a little bit. I'm, I'm looking. I said, right here. I said, go straight to the bottom. And I said, you'll find two ropes, one tangled up with another one down there. Undo that <laughs> and bring me my drag. My drag's there. It's about that long. It's got a little piece of little barb. He goes down in there, and within about, I'm seeing bubbles. I'm just sitting there, and I'm seeing bubbles. And the bubbles lasted for about five minutes. And I saw a hand coming up. Well, this is turning into a motion picture now. <laughs> yeah, he had it in his hand. Did he like, I said, did he like breach the water with drag. it? And I said, I hadn't seen it in 15 years. I said, I'm glad you got it. So I got it, put it in my boat to this day. I still have it, but I had to send a scuba diver to the bottom of the river to get it. <laughs> so and how much does that cost? Did you have to pay? I asked him out. I said, how much? How much? He no, said, I'm talking about how much does the drag? What is it actually worth to you? Oh, I got a, I got a net on the bottom of the river. How you going to get it out from under there? <laughs> so you got somebody. You're saying that, priceless. It's 25 feet deep and you got current going. You say, so you know there's a big, large rock this thing's tied to. I said, that ain't moving. But that rope was tangled up with the other one. So, so no, I was, I was being funny. It's probably worth $20, but it was handmade for the purpose. Somebody welded that for you, right? Some yep, welder put it together. That is correct. I got you. Well, if we ever do a sequel to the movie, Dad, we need to show that scene because the way you described it, to see that breach out of the water and the guy coming up with that drag on the other end, that would be very dramatic. It was just like it was, it was a, a wonderful feeling. I said, finally, I got my drag back. I, I still it. have it. I don't loan it out. Red uses it every once in a while, but I don't loan it out much. I, I tell you what, I would never want to go near it because I wouldn't want to. I would go back to the three licks for perfectly good equipment. So, Jace Luke R said this I see on a recent Unashamed podcast, Jace went to the Chosen Four premiere, mm -hmm. which we're going to talk about when we get have Missy on next podcast. I remember from a podcast a while back where Dallas Jenkins was a guest. And that Jace volunteered to be an extra on set. I didn't remember this, but he does. Seems yeah. like he said something about just riding on a camel in the background. Did that ever happen? No, here's that's a good and then question. Then he sent a picture. So he did a picture like a. Oh, is that me? That's you. He actually, he took well, your he head. It's me after a very rough day. <laughs> I don't know where he got that picture. That's why I wear a hat. <laughs> I don't know where you got that either, uh, but you're on a camel. Maybe it's a, these days now, it could be an artificial. I think it was a, yeah, I think it's me. a Photoshop is what they call that. Well, I was talking about a. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. And all the things we do, as far as pointing out various things in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, well, Phil, let me, let me answer his question before we get to the study. He's, he's saying, did I ever. Was I right. ever? Did extra. you ever ride the camel in the Chosen series? No. I, I pitched the idea, and he said, I'll call you. <laughs> and I haven't got that call. <laughs> Which means that's a polite no is what we call that. So go ahead, Phil. Yeah. I was just going to answer that that has saying, not happened. Of all the things that we've covered in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the consistent reporting over and over and over and over, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they come up with the same thing. 
Jesus said, I'm going to, I'm going to die. I'm, we're going up to Jerusalem and I'm going to die, be buried and raised from the dead. And the whole thing, the whole story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is that. The most captivating thing I've seen is this. Out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we've covered it for the, for the last, for months and months. Uh, as it is, you're de in John chapter 8, you're determined to kill me, which he, he was on, on uh, privy to it, a man who's told you the truth, that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You're doing the things your own father does. They answered, we're not illegitimate children. They protested. The only father we have is God. And he, they basically said, and you're not him. Jesus said to him, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God. And now I'm here. I've not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. So we wait on people even to this day to put their faith in Jesus when it comes to death and sin. You belong to your father, the devil. These people, Jesus said, the ones that are trying to kill me, they belong to to their father and he's the devil which sounds like a dangerous combination and you want to carry out your father's desire speaking of the devil he was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth for there's no truth in him when he lies he speaks his native language for he is a liar he's talking about the evil one Satan and he's the father of lies Yet because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? Where did I go wrong? Where, what's my sin? Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? And it's the same situation in 2024. He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you don't belong to God. To me, in all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's pretty well the crux of the matter. It's a battle with the evil one. Yep. And Jesus is not him. He's the one who can save you in spite of it. He can remove your sin and he can raise you from the dead. That that's what you need to, to me, that's the whole thing in a, in a nutshell right that's there. The, the crux of everything. Let's, uh, let's take our first break. So uh, this week, Lisa and I are headed to South Carolina uh, to speak on behalf of the unborn. That's kind of the way we look at it. We go in and we do fundraisers for pregnancy centers, which are, man, they're just doing fantastic work around the country, just trying to let people know um what it means to have a child growing inside your womb. You know, we're trying to be able to alert women to that. So the pro-life movement, I think, is very special to all of us, Jay. Yeah, what's interesting, you know, even in Matthew 18, the whole first half of the chapter is talking about how kids are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But he uses that same parable about not wanting one 
sheep out of a hundred to be lost. And he says in verse 14 of Matthew 18 that in the same way your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost, which is real interesting that he's talking about babies and kids. That's exactly right. And really that defense starts in the womb. Uh, at five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on an ultrasound, and that's you know that's so vital f- to hear that. Uh, and that's where our one of our new sponsors, Preborn, that's where they step in. Uh, they uh, they rescue two hundred babies every day from abortion simply by providing a mother with a free ultrasound and allowing her to hear her child's heartbeat and to see their little bodies in the womb. By six weeks, their eyes are forming. By ten weeks, they can suck their thumb. Preborn needs our help to save these souls. For just $28, you could be the difference between life or death for a baby. If you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures of the lives you help rescue. All gifts are tax-deductible. 100% of your gift goes towards saving babies. To donate, just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or donate securely at preborn.com slash unashamed. That's preborn.com slash unashamed. If you have the means, would you consider a leadership gift to save babies in a big way? Your tax deductible donation of $5,000 will sponsor Preborn's entire network for 24 hours, helping to rescue 200 babies. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or donate securely at preborn.com slash unashamed. That's preborn.com slash unashamed. Preborn has a 100% charity rating so you can give with confidence. I like that, Dad. You're exactly right. In fact, it kind of leads to the next question I was going to ask. And, Jason, I thought about you. This was uh, from Frank. Uh, he's from up in Massachusetts. He uh, He's 25. He coaches baseball. And he said, I'm trying to do kingdom work through my coaching. Uh, how can I bless these young men uh, and try to get the gospel out? And Jason, I thought about it because you coached. Yeah, at least one year, and I know you've talked about it on the podcast. What would be your advice well, to a young yeah. man trying to make an impact in a situation like that? There was a podcast. Oof, we'd have to get Maddie to look that up. Where I talked about that, surely they took notations. But because I observed little league baseball, because I had two sons that played in it since T-ball, and I realized after being a couple stints of having a couple stints of assistant coaching you know one one year the head coach for whatever reason stepped away mid-season so you know I, I took over but when my son got to be I think the last year is 13 and 14 year old of little league he asked me he said would you coach you know my last year because he, he was 14 because they didn't have a coach and I thought, you know what? Yeah. And so to answer your question, what I did was based on those years of observing, I realized that the biggest problem in Little League Baseball was not the kids. It was the parents. Yeah. 
And for whatever reason, without going into a long, drawn-out answer, but a lot of it was these parents trying to live out their failures and wishes, you know, through their kids, and they put too much pressure on them. Mm -hmm. Hollering from the stands, going crazy at the umpire. You know, the umpire's out there making $25. This ain't the MLB. (laughs) So uh, what I did was I had a meeting with the parents first, I didn't use any other assistant coaches that were affiliated with any families. I recruited men who love God. And I said, we, we want to we wanna make an impact on these kids. I drafted kids with talent, but I especially drafted kids who came from broken homes, uh, the, pro- the ones nobody wanted. And so that's just kind of what, what, what we did. We yeah. built the team. I met with the parents. I made them sign a contract that they would only do things that were positive and encourage their kids. And so we turned inside the baseball field. That was the safe place. And so we learned the game of baseball. These these three men that I had that were assistants, they were all, one of them coached uh, semi-pro baseball. Another was Martin, who set a bunch of records, you know, and uh, – in youth ball for right. home runs. And then I had Jay Stone, your son-in-law, who uh, he he, he played junior college baseball. Played junior college baseball, and he just he coached for years. Yeah, he was good. So we taught him the game of baseball. We, we did not do one negative thing. There was no arguing with umpires. There was, the, there was no negativity. It was all about did adversity. Did you with him? Oh, did we pray? Yes, we had, we had a pray, prayer. But what I'm saying is, we had fun. Yeah, we protected them from even their parents in this venture. This was the happy place. Yeah. So several times throughout the season, kids would show up because they're from broken homes. They're crying. They're upset. And but once they stepped on that field, I was like, "This is the safe place." Yeah. And uh, it was a good escape. And we didn't force the conversations. Eventually, most of those kids came to us at different points of the season, talked about their life. Well, that was going to be my advice was, and not having done it like you did, that's why I wanted you to talk first, was that you really, I, I get this guy's heart, what he's saying is he wants to impact them, but really all you can do is be consistent and do what you just described and then then be there when the opportunities arise, especially I, I get the impression he's coaching older, like, you know, high school and, and up people. And so that's all you can do. I mean, the consistency, I, but I have noticed that coaches along with first responders or another group, you have tremendous opportunities because people are in settings where they come out of difficult circumstances like Jay's described and they're looking for something and they're not sure what it is. And they're looking, and when they find all the worldly stuff, it seems like it fills Screaming a hole. Screaming profanity doesn't. toward the oh, yeah. officials doesn't get you anything. No, well, then you oh, just no, there play was into no, the hole. Look, you know what those kids didn't hear? And what I'm going to say is we didn't have come-to-Jesus meetings and all that. You know, most of these kids, are, they came from non-believing families. They're playing in a secular environment. So it wasn't, even though I did say a prayer at the end, uh, I never put pressure on them or there was no sermons or what we showed them was four men who cared about them, right. who listened to them, who showed them how to 
live despite adversity because baseball is all about adver- adversity. Yeah. You know, if you're if you hit the ball one out of three times, you're considered pretty good. They'll pay you millions. It's of a dollars. game that's based on more failure than success. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. And so I've told many stories about that through past uh, past podcasts. But you know, I pulled my starting pitcher after the first pitch of the first game. I mean, because he threw a tantrum, and his mom was hollering. I kicked her out of the game because they had signed that agreement. <laughs> She's cussing one pitch, but I set the tone and yeah. I did it calmly. Yeah, walked out there and I. He said, and, "And here's how smart these kids are." He said, "Well, the rules say I got to pitch two innings." That was his first response because I said, "He said, what? Well, that was a strike." I said, "Hand me the ball." I pointed at the second baseman. I said, "You're in." He said, "Well, the rules say I got to pitch two innings." I said, "Well, I'll see them in court. You're going. <laughs> you're going to the bench." <laughs> <laughs> and the rules may say that, but old Jay says you're going to second base. No, I, I put him on the bench. Oh, you the second him. baseman came. He did not play the rest of the game. Yeah. I broke the rule due to attitude. <laughs> and, uh, of course, look, I have to say he never did that again. He turned in into uh, uh, one of our best players. Yeah. But we set the tone early, and I had to kick his mom out. At simultaneously, I walked past the umpire and he said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm fixing to kick this mom out of the, out of the ball field." And he's like, "You can't do that." I said, "Oh yeah, she signed a contract." <laughs> so I pointed at her and said, "You're gone." <laughs> Did you give her the heave ho? Oh, like yeah. I said, "You're gone." <laughs> now you think, well, why would they do that? Because they signed that piece of paper, and we're ten seconds into the game. Yeah. So I think for those kids to realize. We're going to do this the right way. Yeah. There, there's something called the right way about going about this, and we're going to do it. And the only bobble we had as a coaching staff was one night, terrible call. Looked like it was going to cost us the game, but it didn't. And one of our assistants, I won't mention any names, your son-in-law. <laughs> just I, I would have guessed. It was... You know, he he... he just challenged the umpire for only five seconds, you know. But I, I went out there. He thought I was fixed to support him, and I apologized to the umpire. And I, was, I told Jay, I said, go walk that off. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. We, we don't argue the cause. And I get it. Everybody's like, oh, you got to defend. No, you're not defending anybody. This guy's making $25. He missed the call. Get over it and move on. Nothing that's fixing to happen is going to change that. We're going to be positive. I walked to the dugout and said, yep, it was a bad call. Guess what? Who cares? What are you going to do about it? And we we wound up coming back, rallying, winning in the bottom. I mean, that's that's what greatness is about. And uh, I guarantee if you interview those 14 kids we had, they never forgot that year. We we won the league, and we were – it wasn't because we had more talent. I can tell you that. Right. I like that. Of course, anyway. we did pick up one guy. Sounds mid- like Moo Mo, Mo Hobbs. What's here lately? They're on the the greatest sport and game of all time. You know, yeah. Two are, you know, Mahomes and Mahomes. Kind of- I didn't know what you meant. <laughs> that was a Mahomes. I thought that was some kind of, you know, guy in the Middle East. But uh, yeah, Mahomes. But what I was going to say is, and I want to give clarification. Now we did have an injury. We lost our catcher. And uh, he broke his leg, play at the plate. And we picked up a guy because I was constantly reading the rule book and seeing how we could, uh, 
you know, help our team. And if any kid had a family member in the same group, then he would go on your team just so it would, so the parents wouldn't yeah. have to have two different teams. So when we lost our catcher, I just threw it out there, not thinking anybody did, but I was like, anybody got a brother the same age or in our third baseman? said, well, I got a, I got a uh, stepbrother who is really good and he's not playing. He used to play travel ball or whatever. And I was like, does he duck hunt? And he was like, he, he yeah, we do. You know, we go hunting all the time. I said, well, if he'll come up here and talk to me, I'll give him a duck call just for the conversation. And so he did. Well, that that kid is currently playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. <laughs> so to say that pickup was a major, <laughs> a Chase, major pickup. You were not only head coach, you were general manager. You had a lot going on there. You. <laughs> He's in the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, organization. Farm. Yeah, uh, organization. Oh, that's pretty awesome. But, uh, well, you yeah. know, I'm a Dodger fan. I'm, you have to tell me later who you so, Dad, you have uh, two degrees from your college experience, um, which you have said really didn't serve you a lot, but you still had them, right? There was they, no one ever spoke Jesus. So, but you did learn some things while you were in college. Jace, your college experience was. Uh, well, it was less. You didn't have two was, degrees. You had two classes that you didn't finish. It was a bus, but I did go through two years of Bible school and graduated. You did. And I remember one of the things they said is you'll never have the thunder until you have the lightning. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant at the time, but it was really about spending the time learning. And uh, that was invaluable and for what I do now. That's exactly right. So exactly in that vein. Uh, Hillsdale College, our friends up at Hillsdale, it's a great college. Uh, they're offering some online courses, 40 of them, uh, for free. Uh, so you can learn. And, and that's the beauty of it, because you never get too old to learn. Uh, they, you can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, um, the Book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, uh, the history of the ancient Christian church, all of these online for free. Uh, Ancient Christianity is a great one that they're doing. It's an 11 lecture course where you'll see the inspiring stories of Christ. I know if you guys are listening listening to this podcast, you love to learn, especially about the Bible. Uh, And these guys do it really well. Uh, The course is self-paced, so you can start whenever and wherever. You enroll now uh, in ancient Christianity, and you discover the improbable and miraculous story of Christianity. So they got a lot of great things to check out. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash unashamed to enroll. There's no cost. It's easy to get started. Hillsdale.edu slash unashamed is where you go to register. Hillsdale.edu slash unashamed. So that also helped. It, now, you know, it was all heart, and we did it the right way, but we also picked up this kid who was a beast. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. Yeah. So, uh, so Frank, there you go. Hopefully you can glean something out of that. That'll be a blessing to you. So I did want to mention that uh, we talked about Dad's new book, uh, I Could Be Wrong, But I Doubt It. And then that tagline so important, Why Jesus is Your Greatest Hope on Earth and in Eternity. And uh, right now you can pre-order that. There's a website. I could be wrong, but I doubt it.com. 
And uh, the book's going to release March 12th, but you actually can pre-order now, which helps us to be able to get the book out uh, even better. Uh, but they're offering a little caveat, our publishers. They are also will send you a free physical copy of one of his other books. Uh, if you go to I could be wrong, but I doubt it dot com uh, and you pre-order, you're going to get your choice of either Uncanceled, Theft of America's Soul or Your Daily Fill uh, as a as a gift. Uh, and the only place you can get this free book is when you pre-order this month. I could be wrong, but I doubt it dot com. So check it out. All right. So we're in uh, Luke 24. Uh, is where we left off. In I thought week. we made the transition from Luke 24. Well, we did, but I want to go back there to make it in this podcast because we're going to Acts 1. But I wanted to just bring it back up. At the end, when we, we the last podcast, Jace took us down the rabbit hole of uh, what it means to open their minds, which I thought was really good. He changed my opinion on it uh, with his study. And at the end of that, He's going. Jesus is going to give some little clues about what's about to happen. That's the part I wanted to read today to lead us into where we're going for the next few podcasts. He said, he tells him, he says, um, in verse, well, let's start in verse 46 of Luke 24. Well, before you read that, I do. I did want to respond, though. When Phil read that John 8 about the evil one, of course, you know, John goes to Phil's point, the same path that Luke went and that was interesting where he said that in John 8 but it, but I just wanted to read this in John 14:30 cuz this is going to come into play on what where we're going here because Jesus is fixing to ascend right. to the right hand of God and when he gets to John 14 he promises the holy spirit and at some point I think we just may need to read some of this because he, you know, he basically has this, unless I go away, these things are not going to happen. And he's like, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. But he also addresses this battle that's at the backdrop of the evil one trying to do his best against the Lord, which his tactic was always, you know, the verse that comes to mind. He was a murderer from the beginning. But after all of that, uh, when he gets to John 14 and verse 30, just after he's talking about him leaving, ascending to the right hand of God, leaving the Holy Spirit, he says, I will not speak with you much longer for the prince of this world is coming. And I love this phrase. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So. I'm just saying he's not only pointing out where people who are not viewing him as the son of God sent from God as being under the control of the evil one. He's also saying, well, he, he's he's going to come at me, but he has no hold on me. And that I think he was referring to his death because he thought by doing that he would snuff that out, this, this movement. Because you got to remember there were, uh, I, w- I read somewhere that there was at least 40 to 50 people before Jesus in, in a, within 50 years who claimed to be the Messiah and about 40 or 50 right after that. And I was reading that in some historical book. And, and the difference was, well, their movement died once the leader died. 
that that ended that. Yep. It was a movement. He claimed to be the Messiah. So this wasn't like, you know, when you read the story of Jesus here, like some random thing that was happening. This this promised Messiah, all the Jews were very aware of all those those scriptures, and right. people kept rising up claiming to be that because they were under Roman rule. Well, we talked about this concept of the evil one. Remember, he was an angel in in heaven with the Almighty, which would put him outside of time and space. But then apparently, as part of his punishment and others for rebellion in heaven, that we read about, we get little glimpses of in the scripture, he was then banished here to be inside time and space where he doesn't know what's going to happen. I mean, there's, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like we read about Job, we read about interactions. Oh, it goes all the way back to the garden. Right. I mean, it was Adam's job technically to guard the garden, and he 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 didn't do that. Yeah, he failed. Yeah, because here comes the evil one, you know, as a serpent, whatever. But that's what led to all this. And to me, from the evil one's perspective, we got the same kind of deal going here, where he's trying to mess up the plan of God, which is God dwelling with people. Right. And so I just want to remind everybody of his role. He's limited in scope because he's not immortal. He's he's not God. And he's interacting with us. He does affect us, but at the same time, you gotta remember he's limited in what he can do. So as we talk about the evil one going forward, you just always have to keep that in mind. All right, let me uh, let me read this text. Before I do, let's take another break. So Dad, you've told me before that you've never owned a watch. I've never owned a watch. Never owned a watch. Is that just because you tell time by looking at the sky? Is that why you I don't never... know. The old song says, does anyone know what time it is? <laughs> Chicago. And the answer is, uh, evidently, no. <laughs> for, for sure, Dad doesn't know. So one of, our, uh, one of our sponsors, Bespoke Post, and here's one of their boxes that come. So you get every month, you get uh, a, a surprise package uh, in the mail. Now, the one I got this past month was smaller than this package that you see on the table, and it contained, guess what, Dad? A watch. So I, in a way, I wish this would have been sent to you because I had to get back control. Zach has been stealing all my bespoke post packages, but finally they're coming back. But this could have been your first watch. But See, that's why they do it, Al. If your dad never gave you a watch, that's why they call it that's the it. Box of Awesome. It's a Box of Awesome. So here's what happens. Uh, every month you get this Box of Awesome, as Jay said. That's what it's called. It's boxofawesome.com. It's actually where you go. Uh, they're carefully chosen gear, and what I love about it is they're all small and up-and-coming brands. So they're helping small business, which we started out, Duck Commander is a small business, and so I love that. 90% of everything you get comes from that. And this watch, which is a Breda, B-R-E-D-A, must be a small, up-and-coming brand. And I love the watch, by the way. Thank you. Uh, You go to boxofawesome.com. You're going to take a quiz. And when you do that, they're going to figure out the kind of stuff that you like. So they figured out from my quiz that I do like watches. It's free to join. They release new items every month across a ton of different categories. When you become a member, you have access to stellar discounts across a plethora of products. 30% off or more sometimes. So check them out. Get a free mystery gift with your first monthly shipment when you sign up at boxofawesome.com. 
and enter the code Phil at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. Enter the code Phil for a free mystery gift with your first monthly shipment. That's boxofawesome.com. Use the code Phil. So we're in verse uh, 2445. We talked about this in the last podcast. He opened their minds so they understand the scripture. We talked about what that meant. I concluded that that means the Holy Spirit, that John 20, he breathed on them. Here's what he said. This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So here's his his little glimpse to them of what's about to happen, because this is going to happen in just a bit, just a bit of time. You are witnesses of these things, and as you said, Jason, literal witnesses. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. You know he's talking about the Holy Spirit, what Jace just read, John 14 to 16. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So that's what he's talking about. He's aiming forward. So then Luke's going to close out with these last three verses, but then he's going to pick this up in Acts 1. When he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands, he blessed them. This is when he's leaving. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So all that, he just gives you a little three-verse thumbnail of now the beginning of the book of Acts, which is also his book. So I wanted to read that because this is where we're going to be today and and probably uh, next podcast we deal with this. We're going to camp out for a bit in the book of Acts. He says in Acts, in my former book, Theophilus, and that book, of course, is the book of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving the instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So I hadn't really thought about Jace, but what he just said describes what we just talked about because the instructions came through the Holy Spirit. After his suffering, He showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Now, we talked about that. These are all the appearances that he made. And we didn't read it, but over in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul goes into that some more, and he even mentions that he appeared to 500 people um, at one time. So, I mean, there were a lot of appearances, and we didn't read about all of them. They're not all recorded. After his, uh, uh, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So this is the stretch of how long from his resurrection to his ascension was 40 days, which is, again, one of those numbers you see a lot, 40, uh, in the Bible. It has significance. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, and we just read about him saying this back in Luke, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I got a question from a viewer about that, so we'll answer that in this in, in this teaching. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Which, still not quite understanding the purpose. Well, I mean, I, I think from their minds, and, and when, when you really think about that question, you know, the answer is kind of like, sort of, yeah. yes. Yeah. 
I mean, because they're thinking you'd, you'd hit in Luke, which is why we're in Acts now. He said so much about this kingdom coming and it's near. Now, granted, I'm with you. I do think that they were talking about a physical, political restoration because they're being oppressed by the Roman. But you're government. right. We don't know for sure. They may have actually viewed it the proper way and thought, you yeah, know, I think I think because they certainly a, know more now than they did before they asked this question. Because he, before you read the rare, I mean, he's ba- are you going to do it? And he basically answers, "Wait, well, you're going to do it. That's right <laughs> through me. Right. I mean, so it's a complicated answer, but yeah. I just wanted to clarify that. That's good. Uh, he said to them when they asked him this, "It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority." Which is sort of answering the question, but then answering it with something beyond. Well, and it's like you need to be more humble. Yeah. And there's a God and you're not him. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And by the way, if you just imagine it like you throw a rock in a pond and you see the circles of that go out. That's what happens here. It starts in Jerusalem, and then he describes in the region, and then eventually the known world. The gospel is going to go out. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So this is back what Luke was describing at the end of his other book. They were looking intently into the sky uh, as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. So here's another element of Jesus' story where angels show up or, or someone from the other realm. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven with a glimpse of his return. So this basically is him laying out why he, and he's already talked about it to him in John 14, 15, 16 of now why he's going to leave here. Cause if you think about it, it's a, it's a great question to ask. Why would, why would, does he need to go back? Like he's here, he's glorified. Why couldn't he just wait here until whatever time decided that this was the end of it? I mean, he could do whatever he wants to, but there had to be a huge purpose in him going back. Into the heavenly realms, right? I mean, or yeah. he would have well, just... I think this is the most missed thing in Christianity. Yeah. Because this is him being exalted as a man, because it said this same Jesus. He's now on the throne of God, reigning. Right. And the implications of that, which is what we're going to talk about for the next few sessions, are amazing. They're huge. Yeah, and it literally changed the whole world. I mean, based well, on well, and it's changing it now, right? Because I think the problem is we tend to think that he's a million miles away, and I think the imagery gives that impression. But it wasn't about him beaming. I mean, just how are you going to say it? I mean, I heard a great illustration about this. You know, if you went to wherever the uh, royal throne is in England because they, you know, they still have a monarchy. And if you could figure out how to get there and sit on the throne, 
would that actually mean you were king? No, it means you're fixed to get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> it's more about what the 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 way that the people in in that kind of power are ascended to the throne. It's not necessarily because they got in a car and drove down there and walked up there. It's it's the position and what that means as far as the power. And the, and the pedigree and everything else to, to, that you should be there, right? Uh, yeah. Let's take our last break. So, and, and what you can do from that position. You know, all I could do is wait for the cops. But people in that position, they have power and influence. And Well, Jesus, in a similar way, well, he has the ultimate power because you get into verses like we we'll we'll get into more in depthly as as we go, but I wound up when you consider the ascension of Christ, I wound up in the book of Ephesians and it's really exciting. I mean, because I just kept reading it over and over and over, and because it's clear that when Christ is exalted. It is now possible for him to fill the universe, and that that's Ephesians four and verse uh, ten, where it says, "He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens, in order to fill the whole universe." And then watch what the next verse is. It was he who gave son to be apostles, son to be prophets, son to be evangelists, son to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. So you see the implication there. He he is now in control, and, and by him coming up, the next chapter, the Spirit is coming down in Acts. So in Acts 1, him going up, and it's almost simultaneous that the Spirit comes down mm-hmm. and fills multiple people who then become the representatives of God. Because if he didn't ascend, well, he's just one guy. We're all clamming around trying to get to him. Just like they were in the first century. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Which was a problem. I mean, if you watch The Chosen for any length of time, you'll see that crowds are a major theme of that show. Yeah. Because they're constantly crowding around him, but he's ascended. And so just just to, I mean, I didn't just make this up and pick it out of thin air. I, I think a verse that uh, has been overlooked, e- even if you just read the, the first section uh, in chapter 1, where it says, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Well, how is that happening? Because Jesus is up there. Right. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In Jesus, we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Now watch this next verse. 
to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Well, that's what happened when he ascended. He brought it together under one head in Christ. So the problem is people say, well, it doesn't look like Jesus is reigning. But I think it means when you get to chapter 2 and and you read verse 10, you you see the same kind of thought because he says, you know, we're familiar with, with what, Ephesians 2 says, we're saved by grace. There's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. It's a gift of God. But then it says, for we are God's workmanship. And I looked that word up. It's, it's like we're his, his art, his poem, his, his way of revealing Jesus to the world. We're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. And so then, look, you get to the end of chapter 2, and you, you get into this idea about us being the new temple. And in him, this is 2.22, you two are being built to, get, to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Mm-hmm. So, and even just to give you another one, uh, in chapter 3 and verse 10, It says his intent was now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. And that word, like the multiple colors of God's wisdom, should be made known. Now watch this. To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord which when I read that verse, it made me think about the person who wrote in and said, what about that First Peter 3 when after Jesus died and was buried and raised, where it says, then he went and spe- uh, spoke to the spirits in prison. Yeah. And I thought about that when I read that verse, and I thought, well, maybe you know Peter was addressing the ascension because when you see spirits, you think angels, the angelic world, and Earlier in Peter, he had said that he had bound them over and held them for destruction. So maybe in the heavenly realms, you have that aspect, but where Jesus is in charge over that realm so that we can represent him in this earthly realm. Right. So that, But you're seeing this heaven and earth collaborating here through Jesus being exalted at the right hand of, of God. And look, it, it continues even throughout the book, even when you get to Ephesians 6, where it says, uh, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, which to your point, because he's roaming around here still, right? you know, creating problems. Right. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So there's this world up there that Jesus is ruling over, and there's this world down here that through his spirit we're ruling over, even though it doesn't look like it. Yeah. This was the plan of God, and, and we've become Jesus on the earth because he's exalted in heaven. 
Yeah, and you're right, Ephesians, because Ephesians is almost split down the middle, and the first three chapters give you the why of it, mm-hmm. and the last three chapters giving you the what does it mean of it, because that's why it's so practical, you know, when you read those last chapters in Ephesians. But I never really linked it to the ascension, but you're right. That's exactly what it shows you. That, the that, well, that Ephesians 4 is really deep because it's a quote from Psalm 68, and I looked at that really hard last night, and it seems to say kind of the opposite, and so there was a lot of debates on on what that is, and I think we can save that for yeah. you know a future podcast to get in in depth, but it basically quotes this. Uh, in verse 8 of chapter 4, where it says, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. And so in the uh, when we look at Psalm 68, it seems to say that he received gifts to men. But, you know, we'll, we'll look at it. But the point is, he ascended on high. Yeah. And the lead captives in his train... I, I'm not sure what that means, but you know, Paul had just said, as a prisoner for the Lord in verse one, I urge yeah. you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I mean, we tend to think that's a negative thing, but but if you're if you've been taken captive by Jesus, that's a good captivity. Well, and that means you've also been set free from captivity of fear of death and all the other exactly. things. Exactly. No, that's pretty good. All right, so we'll we'll uh, flesh that out as we go along. We're gonna. Uh, kind of expand into uh, some thoughts from Acts. We're not doing just a verse by verse. We've done that before on the podcast, but we did feel it was necessary to sort of show the rest of this story that Luke has brought out so powerfully. And the best way to do that is the other book he wrote about what the apostles, when they finally get it, his dad's been alluding to. So we'll do that on future podcasts. Um, I think we're having Missy on the next one, so we're excited about that. So we'll see you next time on Unashamed. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.